This is Clay from Skilled Gentleman Podcast. You're listening to Handgun World Podcast with Bob Main. Hello, folks. I'm Bob Main. Welcome to another episode of the Handgun World Podcast, a practical show done by a practical guy, and that is me. I'm just your everyday guy who takes my Second Amendment rights very seriously, and I truly am an everyday guy because I am not ex-military or ex-law enforcement. I'm not a fancy gunsmith. I'm not a firearms industry insider, reporter, writer, expert, or anything like that. I'm just some dude from South Texas, a salesman as a full-time job, but yeah, for about 15 years, I have been shooting, concealed carrying, competing, training, instructing, and just loving it. It's my it's my side hustle. It's my side gig. It's a passion. It's something I love to do. But I'm going to remind you, you get an everyday guy's perspective when you listen to this show. Thanks for tuning in to episode 522 of the Handgun World podcast and this week I have some pretty uh, fun stuff to talk about. I'm going to keep it relatively short because last week, you know, was about an hour and a half long show, my second interview with Greg Nichols. Uh go over there and listen to that if you haven't to the previous episode 521 in my latest talk with Greg Nichols. So in this episode in continuing with my 10-week series on the Bill of Rights, the 10 amendments, the first 10 amendments to the United States Constitution. Once a week, I'm taking one of the amendments and I'm going to discuss it uh, a little bit more in depth than probably you've heard. And so let's get right on. So I am incredibly excited because this is the second week that I'm doing the review of the Bill of Rights. So since it's the second week, guess what I get to talk about this time? The Second Amendment. I mean, this is awesome. This is great. Not that I'm not going to enjoy talking the talking about the remaining eight of the ten amendments of the Bill of Rights, but hey, this is the Handgun World podcast, so let's dive right in to the Second Amendment. Now, I think it would be fitting if I actually, first of all, read the word for word the Second Amendment of the United States Constitution. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So that's that's the Second Amendment. That's how it, that's what it is, word for word. I'll say it one one more time. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And I emphasize those last words, and I emphasize them for a reason. Uh, I'm going to get to that. So let's discuss some of the meanings here, because it, a lot of it gets misconstrued, a lot of it gets mistaken as to what some of that stuff really means. And first of all, let's talk about the word regulated. What does a, a, a well-regulated militia mean? You know, at the time in 1791 when the Constitution was, was when the Second Amendment was ratified, regulated did not mean the same 
as it means today. You have to think about the English language in 1791. Uh, they spoke a lot differently, they wrote a lot differently, and they meant a lot of different things by different words than they mean right now. Regulated meant organized, trained, or equipped. So they believed at that time a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. So they wanted the militia to be organized. They wanted them to be trained. They wanted them to be well-equipped. And that was a real big deal right there. So to give it to you exactly, well-regulated in the 18th century tended to be something like well-organized, well-armed, well-disciplined. It did not mean regulation in the sense of the, that we use the, the way that we use the word now. It's not about regulatory laws or that there was some kind of a government agency that had the ability to regulate the right to keep and bear arms. Okay, It's important that I point that out because a lot of anti-gun people like to like to use the word regulate that's in the second amendment to mean what it means today and that's that's not the way they meant it when they wrote and ratified the second amendment now being necessary to the security of a free state i'm going to come back to that being necessary to the security of a free state because there's a meaning in that too the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Now, a lot of anti-gunners say, well, this is only referring to militias. Militias like National Guard and military and you know, law enforcement, uh, special law enforcement units and things like that. No, that's not what the, what, the, what the founders of the Constitution meant. That's not what Madison meant when he wrote the Second Amendment. You know, it's like this, folks. The, the right of the people, the people, to keep and bear arms. Well, who were the people? To examine who were the people, I think we need to go back to the preamble of the Constitution, shall we? The preamble is basically like the introductory uh, paragraph to the Constitution. Uh, not, the, not some of the amendments themselves, but the introductory paragraphs. So let me read to you the preamble. We the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. So they started off by writing we the people. Who do you think they were talking about? When they when they talked about we the people, who were they talking about? Well, I think it's it's uh, a pretty easy answer, don't you? It's pretty common sense. We the people. They were talking about the people, the citizens of the United States. The residents, the citizens, basically. I got I gotta say the citizens, the people living here in the United States at that time. So Madison, James Madison proposed the Second Amendment, which was, again, ratified in, on December 15th, 1791. So if in the preamble, in the, in the introduction of the Constitution, they wrote, we the people, those are the first 
three words, we the people? If they meant the people of the United States in the preamble, I am sure that they meant that in the Second Amendment, that the people would be the people of the United States that were living here. The right to keep and bear arms, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. It's amazing how anti-gunners like to say, well, they're not just talking about all the people and ordinary people. They're not talking about that in the Second Amendment. But yet they're very quickly pointing out that every other place in the Constitution where it talks about the people, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, that talks about, that. that's everybody. That's that pertains to everybody, but not the Second Amendment. That doesn't. Those words, the, the people in the Second Amendment, well, of course not. That doesn't mean everybody. Yes, it does, folks. Yes, it does. The, the, the people who wrote the Constitution were very consistent. They were very consistent throughout the writing of it and the ratifying of it and all the amendments. They were very consistent, especially in the beginning, this Bill of Rights, the first 10 amendments. So now let's get let, let's get to the being necessary to the security of a free state. Okay, you have to remember a revolutionary war had just been fought uh, starting in about 1776. So about 15 years before the Second Amendment was ratified, they just fought a very very bloody civil war that they almost lost by the way okay the colonists almost lost i did i say civil war revolutionary war i hope i didn't say civil war anyway let me correct myself if i did they had just fought a very bloody revolutionary war and they they won the revolution a very against a very tyrannical government the king of england king george the english government so the reason they put being necessary, necessary to secure a free state is because they had just become a free state and they wanted to secure it. So they wanted the people. At the time, militias, at the time that they wrote this, militias were made up of the people. The same we the people that they referenced in the preamble we the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, yes, those same people, they wanted to make sure that the right of those people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed so that they, because they felt it was necessary to the security of a free state. How about that, huh? See, you really got to break this down. You got you to think about it in the context it was written. When it was ratified in the year 1791 on December 15th, you have to think about the context. What was going on then? What was the recent history in 1791? The bloody revolutionary war. And it cost so many people their lives. They almost lost that war. And they did not want it to be taken away from them. They did not want their new nation to be taken away from them. So because they felt it was necessary to secure their freedom and to continue to secure it. They wanted regulated people, well-trained, well-equipped, well-organized 
and they wanted the the right of those people to keep and bear arms and to be equipped and they wanted it not to be infringed so I think it's pretty clear I don't understand the debate about the Second Amendment the people that try to twist it and say that it did not pertain to the people because it did and that's what that's what the founding fathers really meant when they wrote this and when they set it up so um, there you go that's the Second Amendment and I wanted to you know since this is the second in my series of discussing the Bill of Rights there it is for you uh, any comments or questions, please call in a voicemail, 210-646-1727, or email handgunworld at gmail.com. I might come back to this subject a little bit later in this episode, but uh, next week's the Third Amendment, and the Fourth and the Fifth, and I should be finishing all this up with the tenth, with, with a discussion of the Tenth Amendment just a few days before Election Day in the United States. I think I'll be finishing up with it probably on the 1st of November. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to finish all this up. So I wanted to lay out the Bill of Rights, all 10 amendments for you, so that you remember what you're voting for when you go to vote on November 3rd. Because I got to tell you, this um, this uh, Bill of Rights is it's in jeopardy. It, it really is. When you go to the polls, it's in jeopardy. Remember, you're you're voting to preserve this. You're voting to keep this. And there are people, a lot of people, a whole lot of people that want to take it away from you. Please don't let them. And one last thing I want to say before I get on to the actual uh, gun subject that I want to talk about. Um, Madison pretty much was was the author of the first 10 amendments to the constitution you know he wrote the amendments which list basic uh, well actually specific prohibitions on government power so think about that he wanted very specific prohibiting of governmental power and it was in response to calls from several states for greater constitutional protection for individual liberties now you know, today we interpret the Second Amendment also as uh, protecting the God-given right to self-defense that we have to be a free people and the right to life. I've liked to, I've, I've kind of likened it to the right to life. Um, a lot of people have other meanings for the right to life, but I also think if you th- if you really sit down and think about it, you have a right to life and the right to protect your life. And, this, and the Second Amendment helps you do that because you can bear arms, you can own arms, you can carry them, and also to protect your life. And in some very rare cases, as Greg Nichols and I talked about last week, to protect uh, property. Although it may not always be a good idea, you know, you have the right mostly to be protecting your lives and the lives of, of, lo- of loved ones. And also, um, you know, not just from bad guys and things like that but we still have the right to protect ourselves against tyranny and a lot of people say oh well that that's not going to happen yeah right just look around our country and you tell me if tyranny especially violent tyranny tell me if that violent tyranny does not exist i i think there's a lot of evidence that it does okay uh i mentioned to uh a lot of you last week and the week before that I was getting into reloading ammunition 
uh, with uh, with a good friend of mine. And we did that. We loaded up about 100 rounds. We went to the range. We tested them. We didn't do so well. Uh, we had some bullets that weren't really uh, very high quality. And we caused a lot of malfunctions in our guns. And we weren't quite sure what the issue was. We, uh, we, we were jamming up four different guns. Four different guns and they were all Glocks. And uh, we had brand new magazines. We had guns in good condition. They weren't heavily modified. Three of them were not heavily modified. And uh, so we were shooting them through stock Glocks. And we were jamming up the guns like crazy. Uh, causing all types of malfunctions. So it was definitely not so good quality ammo that we loaded. Uh, the bullets just weren't all that great. Um, they weren't, I don't think they were sized properly, crimped properly, things like that. We even had a couple primers that weren't seated properly. So all learning lessons, and it's great. You know, uh, people have said to me, when you start to reload, reload, you start to learn more about shooting and the mechanics of how things work and the actual, the literal explosion that takes takes uh, place in front of your face inside your handgun and and how you know bullets and and brass and primers and everything work and it's it's so true it's so true i have a greater appreciation for people who reload and who do a good job i'm going to continue with it and we're going to we're going to solve the problems and we're going to start reloading some real good high quality ammo by fixing the problems but it's a great learning experience and if some of you that don't reload if you ever have a chance to sit down with somebody who does reload their own ammunition, I'm going to say, please do it. Please do it. It's a great education. And just listen to them, watch, participate, ask a lot of questions. I'm sure they're going to be happy to share with you their knowledge. Most people who reload uh, really like to share it and talk about it, just like shooters like to do the same thing. It's a terrific learning experience. It's a good prepping and survival skill which you guys know I like to talk about doing what you can with what you have wherever you are and uh, ammunition's hard to buy these days hard to get and when you get it it's very expensive reloading supplies are also hard to get it's hard to find primers it's 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 very difficult uh, you know brass is not cheap and uh, you know powder is not too hard to find right now but you know primers not so easy and even even bullets, if if you can find the projectiles, they're they're expensive. So everything is rising, everything is is rising at a at a huge rate. But it's still a lot less money than buying ammunition on the open market. Now some people say, well, sometimes you save money, sometimes you don't. You just shoot more, and so you don't really save any money because you got to reload more ammo because you're shooting more because it, it costs less. But I got to tell you, I'm not quite sure, sure if that's the case in my case. Anyway, um, I'm not shooting more. Matter of fact, I'm shooting less uh, lately because of the the price of ammo so this might being able to reload might get me back to shooting as much as I was shooting because it fits my budget better and the reloading really helps with that I would not suggest I just simply would not suggest no matter how good you are reloading your own self-defense ammo uh, when it comes to self-defense ammo spend the money you know you don't go out and train and practice normally with your self-defense ammo you should you should practice and and I've said it before and I still believe you should at least whatever your carry gun is you should at least make sure your carry gun 
will will run at least 250 rounds of your chosen self-defense ammo. Well, Bob, that's, you know, it's a dollar a round. That's going to cost me $250. Yep. Yeah, it will. Yeah. But it's worth it. It's worth it. Spend the 250 bucks or even more. Spend the $300 to make sure that your gun reliably feeds and runs 250 rounds of your self-defense ammo. I mean, folks, think about it. And this is good quality self-defense ammunition that you buy from the store or online. Federal HST, Spear Gold Dot. Rounds like that. Corbon. Good quality stuff. Because it's, you know, when you need to use your gun, you, you don't want jams and malfunctions like like we had uh, testing out our reloads. And all it takes is you make a couple of mistakes with your reloads, and then when you need your gun the most, when that bad time arrives, when that moment that none of us ever want to face, when it happens, you need your gun to fire. You need it to work. Would you agree? That's the most important thing. You need your gun to work. And I think you got a much, much higher percentage of your gun working when you've purchased high-quality self-defense ammunition. It's okay to save money on practice ammunition, training ammunition. Although, I'll tell you what. Don't, don't buy the absolute cheapest you can buy for a training class. If you're a reloader, please make sure you're paying attention to the details, even if you're reloading for a training class or a competition match. There's nothing more frustrating for a shooter than to show up all excited, all ready to learn new ideas and new techniques and new skills at a training class, and they're having to fix malfunctions all the time. I mean, that's, that's going to ruin your experience of the training class. So if you come to the class that Ben and I are teaching, and by the way, that's coming up in a couple weeks in San Antonio and just a little over two months in Dallas. Um, San Antonio, September 19th and 20th. Dallas, November 14th and 15th. Beyond Concealed Carry, two-day classes. Check them out at handgunworld.com. You can sign up. There's only a few spots left for San Antonio. And uh, we're, we've, got, we've had several sign-ups now so far for Dallas. So don't hesitate. If you come to these classes, please bring some decent quality ammunition. Please don't bring unreliable ammunition. If you're going to reload, test your reloads before you come to the class. Make sure your reloads work well with the gun that you're going to train with when you come to class. Same thing when you go to a competition match. You know, there's, there's nothing more frustrating when you go to a competition match and you're trying to get a good score and you're fixing a bunch of malfunctions uh, in your gun because your ammunition is not very good. That's going to that's gonna throw you off mentally. It's going to throw off your accuracy, throw off your speed. It's going to mess up your experience for the competition match. Now, if you're just goofing around at the range and you really don't care too much about what you're doing or you're just trying to practice you know, a, a specific skill or something like that, reloads are fine. Reload ammunition. Once you get it down, once you know what you're doing and... and uh, and you're better than me at reloading, <laughs> then take it to a class or take it to a, uh, a competition match. But check those classes out at handgunworld.com. There's sign-up links for both of those that uh, I'm teaching with Ben Branham. Now, let me move on to uh, another review that I want to talk about. Uh, 
XSF8 sights. On my Glock 48 that I got in my hand right now that I'm looking at that I tested um, using the reloads, but I also wanted to test the sights a few days ago. I really like the SS, the XS F8 sights. Same manufacturer that makes the XS big dots, but these are not big dots. These are notch and post sights. And uh, very good, very good. Orange front sight, uh, very well designed, almost all black rear sight with a small tritium vial in it. So these are night sights, tritium vial in the, uh, in the front sight. The only thing I don't like is they're a little bit too tall, I think, for the Glock 48, a little too tall. If these were on a Glock 17, it might be a little bit better, although I still think they might even be too tall if they were on a Glock 17. Now, if I ever put a, a small red dot on this Glock 48, which I might someday, if I ever put a small red dot on this gun, I think I might be able to co-witness these uh, these sights with with the red dot. They're that tall. They're almost almost suppressor height sights. Uh, I, it's going to take a little getting used to because I'm used to a little bit lower profile sights than these. I'm used to Ameriglows and Trigicon HDs that are a little bit lower profile, but but. Uh, Great sights. XS puts out a nice product with these. I've never really, really been a big fan of the XS big dots. I tried them several years ago. Tried to get used to them. I just couldn't get used to them. I know some people are, are big believers in the big dot sights. Not me. Uh, one thing I do like about these F8s, the rear notch is very wide. Very wide. And the front sight's not very wide at all. It's relatively narrow. So I do like that. It makes for a fast, easy acquisition, and I like to have lots of daylight that I can see uh, on both sides of the front sight when I'm looking through the rear sight. I like that. I think it improves the shooting experience. It, it improves ac accuracy. It improves front sight acquisition. Uh, the rear sight is tapered nicely, so it draws my eyes straight to the front sight like it should. But it gives me a real good outline, even when I'm wearing my uh, eyeglasses, and uh, it's not quite so blurry. It's it's well designed. These are good sights. I like them. I like them, and they're going to stay on this Glock 48 for a while. And I'm going to shoot at least a thousand or two rounds, a thousand or two thousand rounds with these F8s in this Glock 48, and uh, I'll be doing another review later on. And by the way, the Glock 48 and the Shield. S15 15 round magazines it's working great it's working fantastic I finally changed out the um, magazine release button to a metal so now I got a you hear that it's a nice it's a nice snap into the gun too um, when when I insert the magazine it works great so I've got a metal not plastic magazine release button I've got the the shield S15 15 round mags in the Glock 48. It's just a nice little gun. 15 rounds. 15 rounds plus one. Same capacity as a Glock 19 uh, with a longer barrel. How about that? This is basically just a really slim down Glock 19. So if you like the Glock 19, you'll love the Glock 48. You'll just totally really enjoy it. It shoots like a Glock 19. It feels like it. The grip length is exactly the same. It's just a lot thinner. A whole lot thinner. I mean, significantly thinner 
and now holds the same capacity with the Shield Arms S15 magazines. What's not to like? Quality sights on this pistol. You know what else is good? The, the trigger reach is not nearly as long as a Glock 19. Uh, this has a slightly smaller grip than a Glock 19, but not much, not much. So people with a smaller hands or people that just have, they need a, a shorter trigger reach, length of pull, trigger reach, whatever you want to call it, um, you're going to get that with this gun. That's that's what I really like. It's a Glock trigger. I mean, it's unless you change it out and get rid of the stock trigger, which I'm not going to do with this because I do use this gun for carry a lot. And also, I carry the Glock 43X quite a bit, which is the same gun with a shorter barrel. So I'm going to I'm going to conceal carry them. You want to keep, I think, you want to keep the stock trigger in there for the most part. And uh, I think you're going to find the trigger reach is better. So if you had a hard time with a Glock 19 reaching the trigger or fitting your hand, the no finger groove, slightly smaller and thinner grip G48, that might be what you really need. That just might be the ticket for you. And it is a Gen 5 version Glock. So I think you're going to, you know, you're going to get all the nice benefits of the Generation 5 Glocks. Even the front slide serrations, which... I really like on this. So thumbs up on the XS F8 sights. That's a lot of letters and numbers there, huh? <laughs> XS F8 sights. But I'll put a link in the show notes. And I always put a link in the notes, by the way, for everything, just about everything that I talk about. So check that out when you uh, when you listen to this. If you have any comments or questions about this, uh, again, voicemail, 210-646-1727, uh, or email at handgunworld at gmail.com. Okay, I need to say something about PayPal, and I'm going to explain to you why I'm saying something about it. For several years, Ben Branham and I, we've been using PayPal to take the payments for the Shooters Club. Uh, if you want to support us and join our Shooters Club, it's only $75 a year, $8 a month. I'm also setting up a Patreon page, which is not going to use PayPal, by the way. I am going to set up a Patreon page that will be active very soon. So you can become a, a patron of the Handgun World podcast. And you can probably, it's probably going to be as little as $5 a month. Maybe even as little as $4 a month. And I'm going to do some special things for uh, my patrons who sign up so you can support me also that way. But PayPal cut us off. PayPal doesn't like the fact that we are advertising firearms or we're taking payments for firearms classes. Uh, took them several years, but now they've decided they, they don't like us selling and taking payments through their system for firearms classes. So they've cut us off. So all of you, don't worry if you've already paid for our class using PayPal. There's, there's been no problems. If you've already done it, that's fine. If you're a new sign up for the class, you'll notice when you sign up, there'll be other payment sources. We, we, we do take debit cards, credit cards, um, tra you know, payments out of your bank account, things like that, uh, Stripe or Eventbrite, other payment methods. You'll see them when you sign up for the class. The issue is Shooters Club. Now, for those of you who need to renew your membership for the Shooters Club, maybe your renewal date is coming up, you're going to get a notice from PayPal. You're going to get an email saying it didn't go through, and you're going to lose your access to the videos. 
We don't want you to lose access because Ben just put a new dry fire course on the Shooters Club, by the way. Uh, a five-video five series dry fire course. Check that out. It's a, it's a good way to practice your skills when you're at home and things like that. So we don't want you to lose your access, and we very much appreciate your support. So would you do us a favor? Would you mind re-signing up? For the Shooters Club, whenever you get that notice from PayPal that says that your payment didn't go through. And in reward, we're going to give you a discount. We're going to give you a discount off of the membership. So when you get that notice from from PayPal, check your Shooters Club emails. You're going to be getting an email from both of us pretty soon announcing this. And there's going to be a discount code in your email that you get from us and that discount code is going to give you a significant discount off of what you were paying to become a member even those of you who were paying eight dollars a month you're going to pay a lot less than that to watch the videos and listen to the audio podcasts now you just have to re-sign up and use one of the other payment methods including debit cards and credit cards that you find on the website okay thank you for doing that i'm gonna thank you guys in advance for doing that i'm sorry about this but paypal sucks they just truly suck and uh we learned that lesson we realize now that that there are other better more efficient even more efficient less expensive ways than using paypal so never again check your email all Shooters Club members, you'll be getting that email within about a week after this podcast is published. Okay, I also want to mention that Ben and I did a couple of good videos on YouTube. Check it out. You can find them on my YouTube channel, Handgun World Podcast on YouTube. Just go to YouTube and search that Handgun World Podcast. We talked about some revolvers. We did some good videos on revolvers and lever action rifles. So we kind of went old school there for a couple of episodes and a couple of videos. I think you'll like them. They're also on Modern Handgunners for those of you who subscribe. And I'll put a link in the show notes for that as well. Revolvers are still very viable and very useful for self-defense. I know we live in a semi-automatic world. But people who really know how to shoot revolvers well, they're, they're still very, very viable and very useful if you're a beginner, an absolute beginner, I probably would not suggest a snub-nose revolver. A full-size revolver or a medium-size revolver, that's probably okay because they generally are easier to shoot and probably have a little bit better trigger than the little snub-nose tiny revolvers. Those little small ones, little two-inch barrel revolvers and the real super lightweight, they're just not very good guns for new shooters. They just simply are not. But if you've got one, and you want to learn how to get better with it, check out the videos that we did. Those are free videos. They're not part of the Shooters Club videos. You can check those out over on my YouTube channel, a Handgun World on YouTube. I'll put a link in the show notes to both of those videos and also lever action rifles. Some of you live in some pretty restrictive states. And even though those lever action rifles are the old Wild Wild West guns, um, if you know what you're doing, you can still have a pretty nice little rifle and uh, and it's it's legal everywhere and easy to use you don't have to worry about magazines uh, they're they're extremely reliable you don't have to worry about 
jams and things like that. You can even put rails and and uh, and put red dots on them and things like that. Now you can even buy them with threaded barrels, so you can put a suppressor on them. I mean, there's all kinds of things you can do with lever actions now. So check it out. Check out that video that we did on YouTube. In fact, I got to take this opportunity to say there's one of my favorite rifles out now right now, the Marlin. 1894 CST lever action and what's really cool about it is it's stainless steel it's a 357 38 special with an eight shot magazine eight shot tubular magazine and one of those big loop style wild west levers um, and uh, you know it's it's a side ejection which is really important uh, especially if you're going to put a scope on it uh, it's just a really cool gun 16 and a half inch barrel excess ghost ring sights really cool sights got a threaded barrel okay uh, so it's just uh, it's one of those guns that just really looks like it's it's fun and it can really be if you know what you're doing and you practice with it you can get real good uh, for self-defense with a rifle like that now that threaded barrel, I mean that that 16 and a half inch barrel is threaded. So not to mention you can you can do a lot of hunting with a gun like that, especially if you are a reloader and you can reload some hand loads in 38 special and 357, mostly 357. That would be great hunting rounds as well, and of course self defense rounds. They're not cheap, but boy, they are really cool. Those model 1894 CST by Marlin. And I'll put a link in the show notes to that. That's something that I think if if you don't have a rifle right now and you want something all-purpose, I think that might be a really good all-purpose. Self-defense, hunting, survival, everything. That might be just a, a really good one to own. And by the way, it's not the old Marlin, it's the new Marlin. I think, uh, you know, they went through their troubles. They went through their reliability and quality issues when the old Marlin ceased to exist. Uh, and the new Marlin firearms company came out. They're probably not like the old ones, uh, but I, they seem to be pretty good. They seem to have the issues worked out now. It's kind of like the SIG P365. You know, when it first came out, there were a lot of issues. And SIG now has it has those issues worked out and I have a P365 and it's great one of my favorite carry guns now I think these new Marlin rifles are acceptable um, and like I said if you're looking for the uh, old Marlin quality and mystique and everything like that then get an old Marlin if you can find one but the new ones seem like they're pretty viable now and something that you probably would not be disappointed if you uh, own one speaking of the 365 Back to handguns now, the SIG P365, the thing just continues to shoot well. I tested that out at the range the other day too, and it just is a it's a it's a great little performer. I'm just still amazed how they're able to get ten rounds in that small magazine in such a small gun, make it shoot so well. And I always said it was a great gun concept when it first came out. It was a fantastic idea. It, it was a, an excellent uh, gun to make and still is still is as in far as far as the ability to put 10 rounds in there with a flush fitting magazine is just amazing uh, 10 plus one in the chamber 
Uh, and now that the engineers at SIG seem to have figured out how to get rid of all of the reliability problems that they used to have with that, I have full confidence in mine. Full confidence. It hasn't let me down yet. Several hundred rounds through it hasn't let me down. And the really cool thing is there's nothing you have to do to those guns. You don't have to do anything to them. No modifications. They're ready to ready to go right out of the box. The P365 and the 365 XL. They're ready to go right out of the box. You don't have to do anything. The sights on them are excellent. With the XL, it's already cut for a red dot. It's already got the slide cut out in there for a, uh, a red dot, the shield red, I mean, the, excuse me, the Sig Romeo red dot. Uh, in fact, you can buy them with the red dot already installed. And that's just, that's pretty cool as well. Or you can just run it as an iron sight gun, which is probably what I would do right away. And I do with all my handguns right now, run them as iron sights. I'll get back into red dots soon, but right now I'm, uh, I'm just waiting on a few things and then I'll start putting red dots on them again because it just makes so much sense okay that's it for this episode i uh, i'm going to talk a little bit more about prepping and and survival in the next episode i got some good ideas on that but i'm going to save that again i didn't want this one to get too long in length because of last week's long episode so tune in next week i'm going to have some more prepping and survival stuff and and possibly a special announcement on that as well with all that said, folks, thanks for listening to another episode of the Handgun World Podcast. I'm Bob Main. This is a practical show done by a practical guy. And remember, evil does not exist in the holster. It exists in the hearts of men and women. Make smart decisions. Shoot straight. Shoot safe. Read your Bible every day. And I'll talk to you next week. Goodbye.